the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red blood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website, and your host for the CU at the Game podcast. Well, they're back. After giving Brad Geiger and Neil Langland some time off while the CU at the Game NIL podcast campaign got underway, they're now back to join me as we give you a look at the CU roster on the offensive side of the ball for Spring Practices 2022. For the Buffs, the numbers last year in offense were abysmal. Passing offense, 126th nationally out of 130 teams. Rushing offense, 98th nationally. Total offense, 129th nationally. Scoring offense, 121st nationally. There were changes in the assistant coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball, with Mike Sanford in as the new offensive coordinator. Brad, Neil, and I will take a unit-by-unit look at the roster and hopefully answer some questions. Is the job of starting quarterback Brendan Lewis's to lose? Or will J.T. Shrout and the underclassmen make it a two- or three-man race? Can the running back and wide receiver cores overcome the defections from their rosters? Is there enough talent left in these rooms to make some noise in the Pac-12 this fall? Are there enough talented bodies along the offensive line, objectively one of the worst in recent memory? Or will Buff fans have to hope the CU coaching staff will be digging into the transfer portal later this spring in search of immediate help? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back, and we are back with the Terrible Two, Brad Geiger, Highlands Ranch. How are you doing? Doing great. It's a kind of a slushy St. Patrick's Day, but it's also the first day of the turn of the March Madness tournament, and that's always a fun day. Okay, and Neil, once again, looking down upon the minions of Larimer Square, how are you doing in downtown Denver, Neil? It's relatively quiet for St. Patrick's Day, and I've spent most of the day watching uh, the tournament. Have been some interesting games so far. Well, very good. Well, we wanted to get a jump on spring practices, which are going to go from the end of March, and there will be, at least as advertised, a couple of scrimmages that will be open to the public, and of course, the spring game. So we're going to get a chance to see football in the not-too-distant future, so we're going to talk today 
about the CU offense and what we are expecting, what uh, issues we think might there be, and what uh, burning questions we're going to answer. So, of course, you can't get anywhere without the quarterbacks. So let's start right with the quarterbacks. Just for those that have been out of touch with CU football for the last couple of months or just getting back into it, the roster coming into spring, junior JT Shrout coming off a knee injury suffered in a scrimmage last August, returning starter, sophomore Brendan Lewis, Drew Carter, also a sophomore, transfer Maddox Cop from Houston, who will technically be a redshirt freshman. And then there are going to be two freshman signees. One is an early enrollee, Oakley Salavea from America Samoa, and Owen McNell from Texas, who will not show up until the summer. So I guess, Brad, the first thing we should say is that it's nice to have more than two scholarship quarterbacks to choose from. That's what CU played with, with just Brandon Lewis and Drew Carter last year. So uh, I guess we're at least happy to have some warm bodies in the quarterback room. Oh, unquestionably. You know, whether or not there's going to be a competition for the starting job, having other people there to learn from, having other, other options in case the starter gets hurt, having uh, Carter and Shrout have a year in the quarterback room to at least learn. All of those are very, very, very good things. <laughs> okay. Well, Neil, Brandon Lewis is the returning starter. The uh, old Woody Hayes thing about throwing the football, there are three, ba- three things that can happen and two of them are bad. Apparently, the University of Colorado took that to heart last year. 126th in the nation in passing ahead of one of the New Mexico schools. And, of course, football in New Mexico is just slightly ahead of Alaska football and the three service academies. So another cliche that the quarterbacks get too much of the credit, quarterbacks get too much of the blame. How much do we attribute to the 126th national ranking to the incumbent quarterback, Brendan Lewis? Well, he did not play well, especially at the beginning of the season. He did show some good signs throughout the season. He had some good games, had bad games. He was inconsistent. Uh, Sometimes he was able to read a defense and go immediately to the right receiver. Other times not. Many times he did not get to set his feet before he had to take off and scramble. And I think the, the running game or lack thereof didn't help him. So if we were to put Shrout and Lewis on a bench test and just look at pure quarterbacking skills, my sense is that Shrout probably is the better quarterback on paper. But if Lewis has progressed at all, in the offseason, I think his athleticism is something that is a definite asset. And if he can improve on just inside quarterbacking, I think he's going to be the guy. Okay. Well, we looked, Brad, at you know, Lewis last year, he seemed to be tentative at times, certainly early in the season. And that very well might have been, you know, the coaching staff looking at Drew Carter being a true freshman and saying, okay, Brendan, one thing you can't do is get hurt. And maybe that, whether intentionally or unintentionally, kind of restricted his mobility and his, uh, you know, his chances of doing things with his feet. Are you expecting some growth, or is it from Brandon Lewis, or the fact that we got a brand new coaching staff of another 
offensive coordinator and presumably something of a, a new system put him back at square one tied with JT Shroud, or do you think he does have an advantage being in Boulder, Folsom Field, and actually playing in front of the crowd wearing black and gold? Oh, I think he comes in with an advantage. Um, one, we don't know Shroud's physical health. You know, we can't even be sure he's going to be able to go for contact. Um, so Lewis is going to get the probably the majority of the snaps. Um, and that's a big advantage when you've got a new offensive coordinator. So it's likely that coming out of spring practice, absent something rather astonishing, that Lewis will be the appointed, if not the guaranteed starter. You know, the we are not expecting a run-and-shoot offense out of this team. I think that the offensive coordinator was hired in part to create an office that works around Brendan's strengths and limits his weaknesses, and he's an experienced guy who knows how to do that as opposed to perhaps the last guy. Um, so I think we'll see a very balanced offense. I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see Brandon running the ball more, and I think that he'll – Probably, as I said, come out as the era as the starter presumed. Okay. Well, Neil, uh, spring practice also time for young players to give their coaches a chance to show their stuff. Out of Drew Carter, Maddox Cop, the transfer from Houston who didn't play his true freshman year, just redshirted, so he's got four years to play. And they say that Oki Salavea who may end up in the defensive backfield is recruited kind of as an athlete out of those three, what are you looking for hoping to see, or do you think we'll see much of anything out of the second tier? If you want to call it of quarterbacks, if you excited about any of those three, or do you think that they're just going to be fighting for third string coming into fall? Well, I think they will probably be vying for the third slot, but, if anyone's going to push, my guess would be it would be Cop. Just what little film I've seen on him as well his, as his high school stats. He seems like the most complete quarterback and has had at least a year under his belt to practice. I think McCown uh, physically as well as adjusting to the college game, maybe a year behind. So I would expect Cop to, to come out of that group. Okay. So Brad's thinking we might have a quarterback named. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a, a race that will certainly go into the fall. I don't, you know, like you say, there might be a, an heir apparent or a presumptive uh, vote for a starting quarterback, but I wouldn't be surprised if the coaches say there's going to be a continuation into the fall and see what happens in fall practice. It may have no other reason not to give TCU anything more to plan for. Moving on to the running backs, kind of the opposite. You know, the quarterbacks were the quarterbacks we didn't have any, and we now we have a bunch. Before we had a bunch of running backs, and now we don't seem to have as many. We have the 2019 starter and leading rusher, Alex Fontenot, is still here. But gone are Shad Clayton and, of course, Jarek Broussard, who was the 2020 Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. After that, you've got Deion Smith as a junior, Alex Fontenot, of course, being a senior, uh, Jaylee Stacks as a sophomore, and then you've got Victor Venn, who will be a, uh, coming in in the fall as a true freshman, and perhaps Anthony Hankerson 
who's in an odd position of he might gray shirt, but if there's more attrition or injuries, might show up and play in the fall. And then there's transfer Ramon Jefferson, who is coming to Colorado with some good numbers in his career. So without the Jared Broussard, Ashad Clayton tandem, and Alex Fontenot, who is the leading rusher from 2019, I'll start with you, Neil. Are we excited about the running back room, or are we kind of concerned that there's some uh, lack of depth there um, from what we've seen in the past? Well, I'll try to divide it into two modes. One is production, and we did lose some production uh, with the guy that left. But I think solely from yards gained, I think that's not going to be a big deal. It's all going to hinge on the potential of Jefferson, whether Deion Smith um, can come along and maybe Victor Venn as a uh, change of pace. This is going to depend, and I hate to be a one-trick pony, but I think those are all capable backs. And it's going to be Jefferson that has to uh, adjust to a higher level of, of competition. But if we can get some progress out of the offensive line, I think this group will be fine. Okay. Well, Brad, Ramon Jefferson had 1,100 yards last year, 13 touchdowns. But, of course, that was Sam Houston State that he was running the ball for. But he has been a productive back, has been a starter. And Alex Fontenot has been a leading rusher for a Power 5 team. It happens to be the University of Colorado. So is that enough? Or are you sharing Neil's optimism that there's enough balance there in the running back's room for Colorado to be productive in 2022? Well, again, we hired an offensive coordinator to make it productive. This is what we will expect. And I think... I think it's unlikely, at least early on, that we're going to have one bell cow. I think Neil is absolutely right. I think Fontenelle will get every opportunity to be the starter, but I don't think anybody's going to have two-thirds of the carries this year. Um, if Jefferson can continue to show what uh, stepping up in class and run the ball, uh, I think Fontenelle continues to have quite a bit of skill. And there is a decent chance that on third down, Victor Venn's going to be rolling into the flat. So I think I would not be, this will be the infamous running back by committee. Fontenot is obviously, no, I wouldn't say obviously. Fontenot and Jefferson, I think, will compete for the most carries, but I would be very shocked if one of them's in there carrying like Jarek Broussard did in 2020. It's not how we're going to run. That's not how this offense is going to work. Okay. Well, Neil, the one holdover in the assistant coaching room is Darian Hagan, who seems to have survived several <laughs> generations of coaches and head coaches and offensive coordinators. And he's still the running backs coach at the University of Colorado. You know, he's got, you know, Deion Smith is his guy, Gail Stacks, Daily Stacks. You know, are these guys that noting that the 85 man roster might have a few more losses? Is there a potential that these guys are fighting for a scholarship going into the fall? Or, you know, again, since this is spring, the whole idea that, you know, Anthony Hankerson's kind of, you know, sitting by the phone waiting for a phone call. Do you think this is kind of a make or break for one of those guys that they need to show that they can do something that can contribute this spring? 
not necessarily be the featured back, but at least have a role to play on the team, or perhaps they might not be on the team after spring ball. If I had to take a guess at that, it would be uh, Deion Smith. He showed um, some speed and some wiggle toward the end of the season and had some productive games. But I think if Jefferson matures as we expect and hope he will, I think that you're right that Fontenot and Jefferson probably will get the lion's share and maybe Victor Venn is going to be the change of pace guy. So I, I think if we're going to circle somebody, and this may be totally unfair, but I would suspect it might be Smith if we have to take a guess at that. Okay. Brad, can't get your, your nonverbal nodding. You tend, you you would agree with that uh, assessment that, uh, I mean, Victor Van's not going to be here till fall. Obviously, Hankerson wouldn't be here till fall. So there's only going to be four scholarship running backs. Actually, only three. I don't think Jefferson's going to be here until the summer either. So it's really going to be Fontenot, Smith, and Stacks carrying the ball this spring. So their chance to rise and shine. Yeah, 100%. We don't know, have any idea what Stacks can do, really. Deion Smith needs to be better at finding the hole is the bottom line. There are times when he showed some skills and there are times when he looked very confused when he was handed the ball. Um, now, that was not unusual in the CU offense. There were times that everybody seemed to have that problem last year. But I, I do agree that I think, you know, Stacks will get a little bit more time. Uh, Smith better run a lot better and a lot more forcefully, or he may be looking at the transfer portal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving out to the wide receivers. There are 10 scholarship wide receivers. I'll run through that list real quick. Uh, the starter, Daniel Arias, Maurice Bell, Jalen Jackson, and then transfer RJ Sneed from Baylor, who will be here this spring. No junior, sophomores, Montana Lamonius Craig, Chase Penry, Ty Robinson, and then one early enrollee from the class of 22 is Grant Page. And then two more wide receivers, Chase Sowell and Jordan Tyson, will be here this summer. So once again, you're looking at some losses into the transfer portal, some production there, certainly some names that your last names anyway, that Buff fans are familiar with when you're talking about Stanley and Chenault and Rice. Enough talent there for you, Brad? Or are we going to be hoping that R.J. Sneed is going to be the next Brendan Rice? It would be very, very nice if R.J. Sneed was something like that. You know, there again, there's talent here. And last year we knew that there was talent here and, and we could never get them the ball. So it became less than relevant. And that's probably why some of these people are gone. Certainly why some of these people are gone. How much is quantity a substitute for quality? I fear at the wide receiver, that's not necessarily true. So we are going to have to, you know, I think Daniel Arias probably can play. I would I'm looking forward to see what Lamonius Craig can do. That is a position that I think as much as any, except perhaps for the offensive line, is going to have to sort itself out very quickly during spring practice. I, uh, I think the coaches are going to be looking very much to start tearing those guys and figuring out who can and who cannot play. 
and uh, I hope that they are able to find them. So, Neil, you excited about Mr. Sneed over the course of five seasons at Baylor, which seems strange that somebody have five seasons in another school and still have eligibility left, but <laughs> welcome to the brave new world of 2022. I mean, he did have over 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns last year playing in the Big 12. He's certainly shown that he can play against Power 5 competition. Uh, are you slotting him in as a starter and a featured receiver, or does he still have something to, to prove to the team? Well, he may have something to prove to his teammates and to the coaches in terms of how he will fit. But from a talent and skill and experience viewpoint, I, I think he's going to be or has the potential to be very productive if they can get him the ball and have some schemes that will fit his skill set, then I think he's going to be very productive or at least has that potential. Arias has improved um, over this last year more than he had in his previous years. And I'm hoping that he takes another leap because he does have a lot of talent and he's got the body. Lamonius Craig and Perry, I think, would fit somewhere into the slot, perhaps. Um, beyond that, it's kind of a crapshoot. And what I worry about with this group is depth, is we can't sustain a lot of injuries and still have a potentially productive group. Um, I'm not sure what I can say about the freshmen, but I don't expect any of those guys to jump forward. But I could be completely wrong. If we're lucky in terms of injuries, and if we can fit these guys into the offense, this could be a productive group, again, depending upon supporting positions in the line and at quarterback. Okay. Well, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, you know, I think, again, I don't want you to be the bad guy all the time, Brad, but you've got the, a couple of players, Maurice Bell and Jalen Jackson, they're seniors that have not stood out and, when Buff fans and consensus seems to be that there's going to be a couple more transfers coming in, hopefully along both lines, uh, maybe in the defensive backfield that, you know, the losses have to come from somewhere that maybe if there isn't production, again, this is the opportunity. The spring ball is all about opportunity. Um, once you get to the fall, you start game planning and stuff like that. The second and third string don't get the reps. More make and break type of a, a deal for some of the players on the roster, particularly the seniors. I mean, all the cuts can't come out of the tight end room. Um, so um, there's, you know, you got to admire guys who stuck through it. They've been here. They've put in the time. You can say all of those nice things, but there's no reason to believe that we're not going to have some attrition there. And those guys are just going to have to come out and prove themselves to a new offensive coordinator and a two new coach, and uh, I don't know. Maybe Darren Cheverini didn't see something in these guys, but it's difficult to believe that one or both of them won't be gone come August. Yeah. Well, good segue. Speaking of the tight end room, you actually got your wish, Brad. Last year we had 11 tight ends on the team at the University of Colorado, including five or six upperclassmen. Heading into this year, there is a grand total of one upperclassman. Yeah. Um, that's Brady Russell, the returning starter. After that, there are no juniors, no sophomores, 
you go all the way down to redshirt freshmen that haven't played. Uh, another name, Caleb and Fourier, another game that a name that's familiar to Buff fans. Eric Olson, Louis Passarello, and Austin Smith are all redshirt freshmen. And then there's the 2022 signee Zach Courtney. So for the bridge players out there, that's you know they call that aces and spaces. That uh, you've got a starter up there, Neil, you know Brady Russell, but after that, there's a whole lot of nothing in terms of experience. So what does that tell you about the, the tight ends coming into the 2022 season? Is it just going to be Brady Russell or bust, or do we even care since we're on our second decade of waiting for the tight end position to be productive at the university of Colorado? Well, when Minnesota was here for the track meet back in September, the tight end, um got a lot of ribbons and hopefully that indicates that we're going to use our tight ends and i think russell can be productive i worry about him being overused he was out for quite a bit last year with an injury so i'm hoping that that is all healed and he's fine beyond that fourier and olson came here highly praised highly rated those guys need to step forward uh it's time for them to really become good blockers, good receivers, and Russell can't do it all by himself. I think Minnesota used some multiple tight end formations. So this is their time. But this group is perilously thin, even more so than the wide receivers. So if we're going to look at someone coming in on the transfer portal, this might be the group that would need it. Okay. Well, before anybody sends me an email, Russell was hurt in the 2020 season. He actually started every game last year. And yeah, that's good. That's fine. And Brad, he actually led the team, a tight end, led the team in receptions and yards. Mm -hmm. Of course, it was only 25 receptions for 370 yards for Brady Russell. And of course, Colorado was in the 120s passing, as we've talked about. But uh, it was only the third time since John Embry in 1984 that a tight end had led the team in receptions and yards, the other two being Daniel Graham and Ryder Gear, Is there hope that there will be a featured tight end or is this an offensive line, which we're going to get to next, that is so in need of a sixth offensive lineman that we're really going to have another year where the tight end is going to be a safety valve and not a featured part of the offense? Yes. I mean, <laughs> Brady Russell will start if he's healthy. Brady will catch, I would expect, a few more passes. Um, I think he'll be a little bit more part of it. I would be very shocked if Caleb Fourier doesn't play more, but he's got to block. And we don't know how he can do that yet. He's gotten bigger since he's come in. Hopefully he will get stronger. If there is a decision that we're going to throw more to the tight end, then I think Fourier has a chance to like out. And if there's a freshman that might play this year, Eric Olson, that kid out of heritage uh, in high school was a man among boys. Other than being big, strong, and fast and a mean streak, he doesn't have many of the skills you want. Um, so <laughs> I, I would be, if he stays healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year, we're watching him catch the passes. Okay. Well, in order for the tight ends to be out there catching passes, that means the offensive line, our favorite whipping boys, has to be productive. 
And there's some stories about CU's offensive line last year being one of the worst in the country. And statistically, when everything in the offense, rushing offense, 98th nationally, total offense, 129th nationally, passing 126, scoring 121st, uh, these are not good numbers. And a lot of it came down to the offensive line, which fired its coach, uh, Carl Durrell, uh, let Mitch Rodriguez go mid-season, and there was some marginal improvement in the offensive line. Um, before I let you guys hack away at the offensive line, I'm going to talk a little bit about what there is, because um, I'm not going to read off all the names because you got over a dozen offensive linemen on scholarship. What there was last year at left tackle, you had Jake Wiley, he had 11 starts. Left guard was Kari Kuch, who had 12 starts, and he's gone. Center was Colby Purcell, 11 starts, he's gone. Casey Roddick, um, who is a, a junior. Wiley's going to be a sophomore. Casey Roddick had 10 starts at right guard. And Frank Phillip, a, who will be a junior this year, had nine starts at right tackle. So presumably there's three offensive line starters, left tackle, right guard, and right tackle that are going to be back. And there's Tommy Brown coming in as a transfer from Georgia, I'm sorry, excuse me, Alabama. Alabama. Not Georgia, Alabama, the other team down in the SEC that wins 12 games a season. So, Neil, first impressions, what do you need to see? What are you looking for? What are your hopes and fears for the offensive line in 2022? First, I think is good health. Um, I'm not sure if Frank Phillip was ever – fully healthy last year. He came in late. He was recovering from an injury. He just didn't look like himself compared to other years. So I'm hopeful that they're all healed, that they have gone through the strength and conditioning off-season stuff and have not only rehabbed, but gotten stronger. If that is the case, and it seems like the strength and conditioning coach may be at this point, one of the most important people in this play, then I could see where we could put five guys together, switching positions and moving some guys around. That could be an adequate line. Not a great one, but at least serviceable so that CU could jump into the 70s or so in terms of most offensive production statistics. If I'm being Pollyannish and that isn't the case, I'm not sure who the starters will be. I'm hopeful. Let's say that. Okay. Well, hopeful isn't always a word that's been associated with the offensive line, Brad. I mean, we hope there's no injuries, but this unit, the last nine games last season had the same starting five for all nine games. And it didn't seem to bring the cohesion that you'd expect when you get to have, you know, continuing starters. Usually it's when you're plugging and playing, um, you know, like Noah Fenske was the only time that Colbert Purcell was out. He was out for the Minnesota game, and Fenske just was completely manhandled in the Minnesota game. Of course, the entire team getting shut out was manhandled in the Minnesota game. Can you find anything positive? Are you looking for Austin Johnson to step up? I mean, where's the where's the help? Mm. Where, where are we going to get – is it going to have to be transfer portal in the spring or bust or – are there enough in the 14, 15 scholarship players on the roster to 
to mold into six to eight players that can be consistent and make this offense go. Well, I, I can tell you the coaching staff is going to be looking real hard at anybody who didn't get a starting position at a power five and a power five school at the end of spring practice. They're going to be looking very much at the transfer portal. If we have to get by, you know, I think there are guys here who can play adequately. Um, it would be great if they all showed up 20 pounds larger, points two faster in the 40 and stronger. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen. Who knows? This, I agree with Neil, this is going to be a mix, a mix and match. Uh, we don't have the guy who looks like an NFL caliber left tackle. Uh, we don't yet have an answer at center. And, of course, all of this is up in the air. I think you can say that they played slightly better towards the end of the season, but that's about all. It would be, you know, obviously, everyone would prefer that we pick five guys and they're the guys that come out after spring practice. There's just no way that's going to happen. Yeah, um, I think spring practice is going to be figuring out what each guy's skills are, where each of those skills slots in, and then hoping come fall, there are some more bodies there to help. I, you know, it's hard to be optimistic about this line until you see them play better. Yeah. Well, Neil, just overall, well, I mean, we'll finish you with the offensive line, you know, heard good things about the new offensive line coach, Devan, and, you know, Shannon Turley, the uh, strength and conditioning coach that you were talking about, you know, has been getting some rave reviews. So hopefully there's positive things happening in the, in the weight room and the off season conditioning. But just looking at the scrimmage, scrimmages we're going to get to see, the spring game we're going to get to see, what for you would be a win? Would it be seeing young backs do great things, wide, young wide receivers make great catches, offensive line powering the offense, uh, quarterbacks that are throwing the ball remarkably well? What, uh, what would be a win for you in spring ball for the offense 2022? I think to start, it would be health. It would be the development among the offensive line. Um, I think their four best guys are Brown, Wiley, Roddick, and Phillip at this point. No clue about center. I think Brad's completely right. If there is some cohesion, if there is some variety in the offense that we're using tight ends, and if we can just show some progress, on all of those fronts, um, I think that would be um, enough from spring ball. It, it seems to me that the O-line last year with the coaching change improved afterwards. I'm hoping that this new O-line coach can bring those guys together, but also develop them individually. Okay. Well, that Brad, to me gonna... would be the most important thing. Okay. Well, Brad, you know, we're going to get uh, Caldwell going to come out after each practice and for the most part, say, you know, good energy, worked hard, making progress. Is there anything that we can actually look for or see that would give you any more optimism about uh, the offense being something other than one of the 10 worst in the nation in 2022? Well, I think our first sign will be if Brandon Lewis looks comfortable. Um, if there is an offensive scheme that can utilize his talents so that when he steps back, when he drops back, that he has a clear decision-making process and 
knows what his options are. If that happens with his physical talent, there are things he can do to make up for flaws in that offensive line. If we can believe, if he can understand the offense and make a couple reads and make some decisions, then I think, and then I think we can say, hey, there's there's a chance to get better here. Okay. Well, so you're telling me there's a chance. So, <laughs> so everyone's optimistic. Everyone's undefeated in the spring. So thank you, gentlemen, for, uh, you know, pouring your optimism out to the Buff Nation. So we have something to look forward during spring practices. And we will convene again shortly and talk about defense and special teams. Looking forward to it, obviously, you know. Spring is when all hope grows and the flowers bloom and the practices are out in the sunshine. And uh, hopefully we will see something that makes us believe that the sprouts will grow into beautiful trees come fall. Very good. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you've been enjoying the See What the Game NIL podcast campaign as we are nearing the midway point of our 20 interview series. The interviews will continue throughout the remainder of the spring, so I hope you have subscribed to the podcast at your favorite podcast site so that you won't be missing any of the new interviews. Also, though, I will be back with Brad and Neil shortly as we take a look at the CU defensive roster heading into spring practices and take a short detour to check out the Buffs special teams. So, until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.